Welcome, Wildcats, to Weber State Weekly. I'm your host, a man who is rumored to become the next head coach of the South Central Louisiana State Mud Dogs, Colby Peterson. On the pod today, we have a man who is rumored to become the next head coach of the University of American Samoa, Dustin Chapman. Go land crabs. <laughs> next, a man speculated to be the head golf coach at Bo Diddley Tech, AC. I got a hook that will put Mike Tyson to shame, and I'm about to go show all my techers how we do it. <laughs> and finally, a man who could be the next head basketball coach of the Ocean State Orcas, John King. There is a very select group in the world that will get that joke. And for those three people, you're welcome. <laughs> on today's show we got another player interview for you folks this week we're going to be talking with senior wide receiver Rashid Shaheed talk about his path to becoming a wildcat his career at Weber State and what we can expect from the offense this season we'll also be talking about the football schedule which was released last week so we'll be going through that for the fans to talk about what we're looking for in that six game stretch and how it might turn out and finally we have a game this week called odds makers so we'll be looking forward to getting their takes but first, though, we want to encourage everyone, if you haven't already, please subscribe to the podcast, Weaver State Weekly, whether that's on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, wherever you're getting your podcast. Helps us to climb in the numbers and find our way into the feeds of other Wildcat fans, wherever they may be. We're also on social media. You can find us on Twitter, Instagram, or Facebook. We've been upping our game lately, thanks to the panel here. I've uh, been doing a little bit more on Facebook and Instagram. And of course, Twitter is always a great place to interact with the Weaver State Weekly crew. And please tell your friends. Uh, if you have Wildcat fans in your family or among your circle of friends let them know there's a thing called weber state weekly we're talking weber state sports and it's a good place to grow community now wildcat fans we are so happy to welcome senior wide receiver and kick return aficionado rashid shaheed to weber state weekly Rashid shaheed thank you for coming on thank you so much for having me guys i appreciate it man we are so excited to chat with you about your journey to weber state from san diego california your career as a wildcat and of course what we can maybe expect as we wait with bated breath for February to get here and to get into our six game schedule this, I guess, next year, technically. But first of all, uh, Rishi, we kind of wanted to give Wildcat fans a little bit of background about you. I mean, you have been uh, electrifying crowds at Stewart Stadium for the last three years. This will be your fourth. And we are looking forward to seeing you just run back those kicks, man. Like <laughs> Fastest man in the country. Like I'm going to stand by that. But Talk to us a little bit about you. Like, what's the story of Rashid Shahid? What drew you from San Diego, California, great place, go Padres, to go Padres, you know, yeah, to <laughs> sunny, you know, to snowy Ogden, Utah. Right. Well, not knowing much about Weber State, I, I came out here on a visit. It was it was actually snowing at the time. It was it was very cold. Of course, um, come, a kid coming from California and not seeing snow, seeing snow for the first time, it was a crazy experience. I I actually loved it. And, and now it's it's my home. But I, I came out on the visit. I, I had a great time. Um, it was a great experience. I met all the coaches. The coaches were, were very welcoming. I just felt at home. You know, the, the the team took me in. I felt like it was it was the best choice for me, best fit. I talked to Coach Hill a lot. We became close. Um, became close with my family and everything. You know, we talked every week. He, he always made sure to call me, and it, it was a fun process. And I just felt that Weber State was was the best decision. Coach Hill was um, going to be the best coach uh, to fit my play style. So far, it's worked out very well. Very well, I'd say it's worked out extremely well. Weber State special teams, some of the best in the country. Talk to us a little bit about that. Like, what's it like to be recruited by Jay Hill? It's it's, it's really exciting. You know, seeing all the all the great stuff he's done for this program. Coach Hill, he's second to none. Um, he's a coach that you love to play for a coach that you want to play for he's a true team um, players coach it's, it's, it's a true honor to play for coach Hill. He's, he's like I said he's a guy you just want to play for you want to fight for and he knows so much about the game and I've experienced so much and he's 
He's taught me a lot about football and about life, which is most important. It's, it's an amazing experience. Really, like you said, Jay Hill, second to none, um, has really turned the program around here at Weber State. And we we're so grateful that he came up from Utah to to take over the head coaching role. Hey, Rashid, um, I'll get right to the meat here. There is a running joke among among fans, Wildcat fans, about the inevitable holding penalty that's going to come on pretty much any kick or punt return you, you take to the house. <laughs> so we want to know, like, what's it like on the field? Like, is, is there a joke on the field or is it just like, you know, I, I'm convinced like the San Diego State game last year, oh, there, was yeah. no, there, was, there was no penalty. There was clearly no penalty. But what, what's that like, one, for you? <laughs> and two, right. is there is, are the players joking about that too? Or is it more like, hey, Quit holding so I can get to the house. We we joke about that every time it comes up. You know, we we try not to to be too serious about it. You know, we gotta lighten it up a little bit. You know, it, it it happens. It happens in football. We 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 have to make a joke out of it, or else it it's just not just not as fun. You know, holding calls that they, they happen. You know, um, on the field, it's it's not the best feeling turning around after a touchdown and seeing a flag on the field. Hope praying it's not on us. You know, it's just not it's not the best feeling. But you know, I I'm I'm still thankful for the guys blocking for me. And sometimes a holding call might get called, but you know, we're, we're still we're still all close at the end of the day. No, it doesn't divide us or anything it's, it's just all jokes at the end of the day we're very excited for the inevitable time where it happens and there is no flag this coming season and hopefully hopefully we, there's no flags we, we just want to see that the celebration <laughs> <laughs> i will be celebrating seeing no flags. so you've had a lot of games at weber state is there one that stands out to you as like hey that was the funnest game that that i've had here in my time at weber state the funnest game I would have to say that's close. I think the second Big Sky title, I think that that was the, the biggest game for me here at Weber State. It, it was a very exciting game, tons of fun. And to, just, just, just to have that feeling for the second time, it was it was kind of surreal. And of, of course, the third time, it was even more surreal. But the second time, we, we it, it was a different type of feeling. We felt like we could do this every year. We felt like we could be the top team every single year. So I feel like after the second championship, we, we realized that we're as a team, we're the real deal and we, we could compete with anybody. So that awesome. game, that game was the one in Pocatello against Idaho State, right? In, yes. in, in Holt Arena. Yeah, that's right. That was a great yeah. game. I was at that game. It was a lot of fun. The, I mean, there were a lot of Wildcat fans at that game. Like everybody right, yeah. was just kind of waiting for you guys to, to hoist the trophy because it was, uh, you know, it was almost a foregone conclusion. Like, yo, we're going to go up there and we're going to smash Idaho State like. Right. Like, yeah. The energy like, was incredible. One last question for you, Rashid. So obviously last year, you know, you, you were a little banged up. How, how are you feeling? How, how, how's, how's your body and, and how's your health these days? Health is great. I'm back to hundred percent. You know, I dealt with some injuries last year that, that kept my season fairly short. You know, all, all those injuries are that they've been, they've been worked on everything. Everything is good. I feel, feel good back to hundred percent. We're working hard this off season. I think we're going into this spring season of fairly in shape and ready to go. So I got a question for Rashid. So Rashid, I mean, you come into Weber State out of San Diego. You're instantly one of the most exciting players the program's ever had, right? You're grease lightning <laughs> out on the field. You're you're two-time All-American, and everything is kind of building up to this last year, your junior year, one of the best teams the school's ever seen, and we're playing Montana. And all mm. of a sudden you get the injury. All right, yes. So you you've got everything building up, culminating in this game at Montana, and you get hurt. What what are the emotions like when you're down there on the field and you feel something go wrong? Like what's going through your head? A lot goes through the head. It, it was a, it was a very emotional time for me. That was actually the game, my first game coming back off of an injury. So that was that was another thing. When I realized what had happened, I think it all just it, it hit me so fast. Like, wow, my season's really over. This this is how it ends. You know, this is probably the biggest game of the season so far, and it it just happened so early in the game. It's 
there's a lot when when it when initially happened i i I felt and I knew that something was probably really bad. Like I said, now my, my everything is fine. Knee's good. I feel good. So yeah, we're, we're going to put that in the past. <laughs> it, it was definitely a, a turning point in my career. And I think I've handled it fairly well. So yeah, it was definitely a heartbreaker to, you know, see that injury at Montana, especially, you know, at after having been a two-time All-American going into that season, probably pretty disappointing on your part, you know, because an injury like that, ending your season effectively is just probably so disappointing after all of the hard work, the things you've put into throughout the season. Yeah, absolutely. Hey, Rashid, I've got two questions. The first one is kind of a serious question. And the second one is <laughs> not, is not so much. So <laughs> all right. mo- m- most people don't really go through like a serious injury that you went through last season. So what is it like? Like, what is the rehab process like? And how does that like? How did you kind of approach that mentally in the off season to try to get you know back ready for the uh, for the season? This well, it was supposed to be this year, but will now be in the spring. Well, I, I, at first, mentally it was very draining. It was hard on me mentally. I just it was hard to to really understand just just how everything happens, and you know that that the season's that my season's over, and I can't be out there with my team. So there was a lot going on throughout the the rehab process. It was it was tough. You know, rehab is. You know, it, it could be pretty grueling and tiring on the body. But I, f- I feel like I handled it well. I, I rehabbed almost every single day to get it back to where it is now. I feel like our athletic training staff uh, did, a, did a great job of getting me back to where I am right now. Yeah, it, it was very it was very tough. It was hard to wrap my head around the whole thing. But, you know, the, uh, it was a life lesson. You know, sometimes you have to take the bright side out of situations like that. And I felt like I handled that pretty good so and then my second question i've asked this question to one of your teammates off air but i've never got an answer actually on the air okay who is the coolest coach on staff and tell me why it's q the and tell me why it's q <laughs> uh it, it's coach q because he's he's all he's, he's he it's just his personality is just so it's just so out there and he's he's just he's a great person he's he's always fun to be around he's always making jokes with us teasing us all types of stuff he's he's just like an, another another teammate almost not as much as a coach he's a he's very close with all of us you know he's 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 a fun dude to be around and as as i got to go know coach q over the years he, we're, we're very close i appreciate his friendship and uh yeah he's he's the best rashid we've we've talked to on the show previously two of your teammates that's in the wide mm-hmm. receiver room with you jordan turner and devin cooley sounds like an absolutely amazing group <laughs> yeah absolutely <laughs> what, what what what's what's the what's the room like and uh what can we expect from that group this coming season in the, in the meeting rooms and and when we're, when we're all together it's all jokes it's it's a real fun group. We're all very close. That's I feel like that's very important, and that's going to lead to our success on the field. We're we're excited this year. We're we're coming into this new offense with the new offensive coordinator. I feel like we're going to be put in positions to make a lot of plays as a receiving group. Uh, me, David Ames, Ty McPherson, Devin Cooley, all those guys. I feel like we're we'll be put in the right positions to make plays as a receiving group. We're going to make huge strides coming off from you know not the best offensive year from last year. So I'm definitely excited for, for where we are right now, and I think we're, we'll have a big spring season. Just hearing those names. I, it's like, and then knowing that Josh Davis is in the back, I, right, I don't, yeah, I, I, I don't know how anybody's going to be able to stop the offense. <laughs> it, it, it will be hard, trust me. Don't forget hard. our man, Kevin Jackson. Don't forget our man, Kevin Jackson, back there. <laughs> man is a truck. He will run you over. 
Got Kev, got Chris too. Yeah, I mean, this this offense is loaded. Everybody's super excited for this season. Earlier this week, I was on a phone call with a bunch of other guys who do podcasts in the big sky. And I'm on record saying that I think this team's going undefeated with this schedule we got. So I, I want to ask you, we had we had the schedule come out. Yes. What do you think about the schedule? Do you have any initial thoughts or impressions? It's, it's going to be a tough schedule. You know, going into it, we, we want to have a positive mindset, you know, a winning mindset like we always do. It's, it's going to be a fun schedule. We, we were excited to, to see the teams that, that we're going to be facing. We're going to come out prepared for each and every one of them, not overestimate or under, underestimate any opponent. It's going to, it's going to be fun. You know, uh, I feel like the, the the one team that we're mainly focused on or the, the, the game that everyone's going to be watching will be the Montana State game. So we're definitely looking forward to that. Rashid, I wanted to ask uh, a little bit about, um, so recently on Twitter, we were tasked with finding some sort of nickname for Ty and <laughs> David. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, and I, I don't know that we've really come up with anything. So I, maybe we, we thought we might put it to you. Like, what's a good nickname for those two dudes? Oh wow! Somebody I was like, "Call Shake and Bake." That's not so that, bad. That's not that's not bad. I like that one. I yeah, like that but one. I don't know. What what do you think? Sheesh, that that's tough. That is tough. They're both goofballs. I don't know. <laughs> Um, yeah, we'll, 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 to, sti- we'll stick with that one for now. We'll, stick yeah, we'll have to one. we'll have to work cool. on it, but uh, that's definitely out there. One of the questions we had for you, Rashid, was of course the quarterback situation has changed at Weber State. Uh, we've had a couple. Mm-hmm. We've, seen, we've got a couple of new faces in the quarterback room now, and we wondered kind of like what has that quarterback wide relation wide re- receiver relationship been like with a shortened spring camp? You know, with trying to get these practices in. You know, it hasn't been as it definitely hasn't been normal right. for you guys on the on you know on the other side of the ball trying to you know bring it down and get the yardage what has that been like for you guys to try and build those relationships with these quarterbacks especially the new faces in the room i feel like so far we, we've handled this very well i feel like the receivers and the quarterbacks so far from what we've seen on camp throughout these practices I, I feel like we have a good chemistry for where we're at right now of course it, it needs to grow more and more and more we, we have to get more throwing sessions in we have to do what we can to improve but i i, I can say so far we we are we're, we're we are where we want to be, I'll say. And, um, you know, the, the, the quarterback and receiver relationship is so important. And, you know, we, we all try to em- embrace that. And uh, all, all the quarterbacks and receivers are really close. You know, we, we, we work towards um, um, being the best group that we can possibly be. We don't know who is going to be the starter yet. Um, I see the quarterbacks all making strides and they're all competing. So I feel like that that's the most important thing. All right, Rashid. So I got... A question and a follow-up. So all right. we all got to know, just officially, are you the fastest guy on the team? Uh, I won't I won't leave that up to me to say. I won't. Oh, all right. Well, what does the clock say? I Hashtag I, humble, man. We got a lot of speedsters on the team, I wouldn't say, you know. All right. So I'm going to assume you're the <laughs> fastest. And under that assumption, who's in second? Who's right behind you? Second, uh, I would have to say Kev. Kev's Kev's. Right, right there, Kevin Smith. Yep. And then I, I, I got one last question for you, Rashid. Um, yeah. Obviously, in the offseason, there was also a change in the uh, offset, offensive co- coordinator and coach Matt Hammer has come in to take over the offense. I know you don't want to give too much away because people may be listening, but what does the offense kind of look like in, you know, this abbreviated fall camp so far this year? I see we've made so many strides already. Uh, just within these first few practices, we're making a lot of plays. We were we um we're becoming a more well balanced team with us being able to run the ball so well. It's been able to open up our pass game, and I, I feel like that'll transition over to to the games. I I, I like what what Coach Hammer's doing uh, so far. We we all love it. We love him as a coach. He's 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 doing great. Great leader. Definitely a guy you want to play for. And so far, I think he's done an excellent job with us. Um, we're all well in tune with with 
with what he's trying to do as an offense. Um, I feel like that's going to carry over to when we're able to play some games. Rashid, I'm going to wrap us up by asking you just one last quick question. Uh, you spend a lot of time in Ogden now. And so what, where's your favorite place to hang out in Ogden? Like, where's the place where you're like, man, I need to go this place. What's that place? <sighs> the in the place, that's tough. I, I, I like Fat Cats a lot. I like the bowl. Okay. Um, I like Fat Cats. The place to eat, I would have to say Tokyo Station. I love Tokyo Station. I'm a big fan of watching my food getting cooked in front of me. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> there's a lot of spots. There's a lot of spots I like to eat at. I, I, I love to eat at different restaurants. I feel like I've tried a lot throughout Ogden. I like uh, Jake's a lot. I don't know if you guys have tried Jake's over the top. Oh, of course. Yeah, yeah, of course, of course. Yeah, I, I love those type of places. And that's great, man. And so it sounds like if you want to see Rashid Jaheed around town, you go hang out down at the junction. This yes. man will be bowling or he's going to be, he's, he's been getting some <laughs> teppanyaki at Tokyo Station. Absolutely. Rashid Shahid, thank you so much for coming on Weber State Weekly. We appreciate you taking the time to chat with us. Let the Wildcat fans get to know you a little bit better as we look forward to the spring season starting up in February and hopefully many more kick returns to come. You're already the (laughs) all-time school leader with, I think, four recorded. Should be more than that. I'm sure we're gonna you're gonna add to it this year. We and we can't wait to see it. Thank you so much, guys. Thank you for having me. I appreciate the love. All right, we want to thank Rashid Shahid for coming on Weber State Weekly, talking to the panel about his journey to Weber State and what we can expect. Really looking forward to that spring season and can't wait to smash Idaho State on in February. But now we're going to talk a little bit about that football schedule. As we said earlier in the show, the football schedule was released by the Big Sky last week with six games and Weber State. Uh, was a part of that, of course. Question to the panel is overall thoughts on the six-game schedule and what it might mean for the Wildcats going forward. Well, I guess first things first. I mean, you know, I know we've we've known for a little while that it was going to be a six-game schedule, but I was kind of hoping for an eight-game. You know, at the beginning of this process, I kind of always thought that that was going to be a good number and it would allow, you know, in my opinion, to to uh, um, crown a more like true champion and you know as someone to be an automatic bid for the uh, playoffs. But as it comes to the schedule itself, I, I think that Weber State is pretty protected here. I think that the big sky, they would never admit to it, but I think that they were looking at the situation and were like, okay, we don't want our conference to cannibalize itself over um, the course of the season and we lose out on, you know, potential playoff teams. And I think that any Weber State fan who looks at that schedule is going to be looking at it pretty favorably. I mean, obviously, you know, everybody's going to circle the Montana State game on March the 6th. Um, but there's a lot of winnable games, you know, there's a lot of winnable games on there. And, you know, I don't I think that looking at the schedule today on November 9th, like that's a sick that's a that's a schedule where Weber State should go 6-0. and uh, they, they should win all the games on that schedule for sure. I'm somewhat surprised that they didn't go with a division format, potentially have a seventh game as the conference championship to declare a true champion and give the true champion a little bit of seeding help. Also, I, I'm going to piggyback what John said. I think that Weber State was protected. I think that the prior schedule really had two tough t- conference games, I'll say, because we also had Northern Iowa. But inside the conference, we had two really tough games, which were Montana State and Eastern Washington. And they pulled one of our tough games in Eastern Washington. And so I think that Weber State got somewhat protected and still has an opportunity to have a resume-building resume win in Montana State, who was a national semifinalist last year. I know that our friends over in Greeley think that they're going to come into Ogden and win and beat us, which I 
I admire their confidence, but I think that Weber State has all the tools that they need. I think that they have the schedule that they need in order to run the table and make a deep run and get us to Frisco. The talk about Northern Colorado, the Northern Colorado game came from a, a live stream that you did with the Big Sky Podcast Network last week as a reaction to the schedule coming out. And I think there's only really one one word that can describe the confidence of the NOCO folks in thinking that they're going to beat Weber State in Ogden. Whack. It's not going to happen. Whack. If, if it's anybody in Colorado, the, the term to describe it's high, not whack. They're high. I mean, that's, that's let's call it spade a spade. <laughs> we were all um, thinking it. <laughs> we missed Montana State last year. Jeff Choate is a very good football coach. He is very, very good. He is, as they as they call him, the redneck Chris Peterson. Like Jay Hill, they're they're going places. Hey, he, he they're they're going places eventually. And and missing Montana State last year was, even though we ran the gauntlet, that was basically the only team that Weber State didn't play in the conference that was difficult. Um, but I think that hurts us a little bit just because we, we didn't get to, we didn't get to have them last year. So having them this year, it is the biggest game. Now everybody's correct. I do think the conference protected us feels really weird to even say that that's that's what they did with Weber State that we're even in that spot but we get that game with the biggest game of the year is at home we don't have to deal with 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 you know Montana and Montana fans and and when I say Montana fans I mean Montana state of Montana (laughs) Montana state fans and they have to travel down here we don't have to go up there and uh, you know our weather can be as bad as their weather more likely than it is up north so it's a phenomenal schedule for us. I'm I'm excited for it. I'm trying to figure out how I volunteer or what my way. What, if I'm, I'm just going to start cutting that path up from above Weber State down to, to kind of sneak into the stadium. I'm just going to start working on that now. And <laughs> no matter what happens, Chappie will be watching live football at Stewart Stadium. So some of you folks have ref- kind of taken this uh, the next step. I was going to ask, what game do you have circled? And it sounds like some of you folks have already talked about that in the Montana State game. Like AC said, a national semifinalist last year, a very good team that beat uh, a Montana team that beat Weber State in Missoula. They then had to go travel the next week to Bozeman, and they didn't fare so well. Thank you to the folks in Bozeman because it helped out Weber State becoming a conference champion. So uh, that leads me to my final question for you folks, and I just kind of want to get a short answer here. Uh, is the conference championship a foregone conclusion for Weber State then? Like, are we, are we overlooking something here, or is it just really like this is a – I mean, if we're being 100% honest, this is a pretty soft schedule. What, what do you all think? Is there is a conference championship a foregone conclusion? Weber State will be four-time conference champions at the end of well, – by mid-April. I don't think it's a foregone conclusion just because there's – there's only six games. There's very few mulligans. You know, you, you you lose the Montana State game. Who knows? Who knows what happens? If, if somebody else wins out, then they're they're the title. There, there's not enough games on the schedule for me to just crown anything and say anything's a foregone conclusion. I mean, I'd like to say it's a foregone conclusion, and I think that if we were playing a six-game schedule under normal circumstances under the uh, uh, in in the country, I would say it would be a foregone conclusion. But as we've seen throughout college football so far in the fall, I mean, you have a couple COVID tests, you know, positive tests in key positions, and assuming that that world kind of transfers over to the spring season, I mean, well, that can trip you that that can trip you up, and that's you know no fault of really anybody on your team it just happens and then you know you have key players sitting out of the game and you drop you know you drop a game that people don't think about so if this was a regular season and there was you know not that covid you know 
pandemic, you know, looming over our shoulders, I would say, yeah, six and oh, easy money. I'll take it right now. And, you know, conference champions print, print the shirts, but that's just an extra wrinkle in this year that you, you never know what's going to happen. And staying away from positive tests is going to contribute to success. AC final words here. I'm not going to say it's a foregone conclusion because nothing in sports is, but I think this is as close to a foregone conclusion as it can get. Reason being, I think that Weber State is the most talented team in the conference. I think we're one of the two or three most talented teams in the nation. Uh, That said, I also think that the second, third, and fourth most talented teams in the big sky are all going to beat up on each other. It's going to be cannibalism. Cannibalism, excuse me, cannibalism. you got Eastern Washington, Montana State, Montana, who are all going to be playing each other. And so Montana State, who I think has the toughest schedule in the entire conference, has to play Eastern and Montana in back-to-back weeks. And I don't Mm. think there's any way that Montana State a very, very good and talented team, a well-coached team. I don't think there's any way that they play Weber State, Eastern, and Montana and comes out unscathed. Not a chance. Mm. And Eastern, all I mean, they have a great quarterback. I think they're, they've got a good setup, but they still have to play a ton of other really tough teams, and I don't know that they're talented enough to come out undefeated. I think that Weber State has the schedule. They have the talent. It's not a foregone conclusion, but Weber State is a heavy favorite to get bare minimum a share of the conference crown. Uh, Good point that, you know, Montana State does have to go to Missoula this year to play Montana in the Brawl of the Wild. And uh, as we found out last year, no matter how good your team is, it is always very difficult to play a football game at Washington Grizzly Stadium. All right, gents, I want to thank you for chatting a little bit about the football schedule. Uh, Now we're going to transition to our game. This is a game called Odds Makers. What we're going to ask you to do is we've prepared some questions and we want you to give us a percentage. Zero percent chance that it happens, 100 percent chance that it happens. You let us know what you think. You be the odds maker on the likelihood of this thing happening. The first question for you. Odds that Weber State wins a national championship. AC, let's start with you. And 100 is the most likely, right? 100 is a sure thing. Oh, man, I had to start. Oh, no, I'm going to say a national title. We coming for the natty this year. I'm going to say... I'm going to say 50%, 50%. I think we're one of the top three teams in the country. North Dakota State is losing their quarterback, and we still have no clue how that's going to impact them. Trey, uh, Trey, it's Lance, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, okay, so Trey Lance. You know, I'll say 51 because we can't – 51% because I can't go with the push. Yeah, exactly. No no, no pushes here. Pushes are not looked upon favorably. No pushes, no pushes. I'm saying 51% because we're one of the top three teams in the country – we have no clue how North Dakota State's going to be impacted. I mean, it, their backup quarterback, for all we know, could be terrible. He could also be really good. But I'm going to say 51% we're going to win the Natty. Okay, 51. John King or Chappie, who wants to jump in with their odds? I'm, I'll jump in and say uh, I think it's about a 60% chance. Um, and, and I'm basing this off of Jay Hill is a very good defensive coach. He always has been. Our defense will always and has always been stout. But as I said on the podcast two weeks ago, it just feels like the coaches and the team believe that this is a different season. And in in talking to Rashid Shahid tonight and in, in all of the players that we've talked to, that, that offense is going to be unstoppable. <laughs> I, I when you, we, We've always had a good defense, and now we're going to have a, an absolutely phenomenal offense to go with it with weapons at basically every position. So uh, I'm going to say 60% just because I feel like we have a, a very complete team this year. John and a quick shout out to the special team. We got multiple All-Americans on our special teams too. We're a three-phase team. Jay Hill, Jay Hill is a special teams guru. I 
I look forward to the inevitable fake punt or onside kick that will mm. happen every game. It's it's fun and it makes it entertaining and it always gets the team um, amped up. Definitely true. John King, give us your odds. Weber State winning the national championship this season. So, you know, when you see a segment titled Ozmaker, you always think like, uh, you know, Las Vegas odds. And when you look at the beginning of the season um, uh, and see like Super Bowl favorite, you know, NBA finals favorite, you know, normally the favorite to that is like a three to one favorite, you know, a four to one favorite. So for that reason, I'm going to say we'd probably be, if you were oddsing it out that way, we'd probably between, be between a three or a four to one, you know, favorite. So I'm going to say 40% chance yeah, so that we roughly. 33 to, you know, sounds like maybe 33 to 25% chance. Yeah. So I'm going to say somewhere around a 40% chance just because, you know, I think we're a little bit high. We probably, we, I think we'd probably be a little bit higher than three to one. I mean, I think there's probably three teams, you know, if you were talking in the preseason that you kind of put above the rest, um, you know, Weber state, James Madison um, and uh, North Dakota state. I think you probably put Weber state maybe a little bit ahead of James Madison, just because they were such a veteran, you know, laden team last year and lost quite a bit of talent. Uh, I would probably put it you know, somewhere in the 40% range for the odds on that one. Uh, really quick side note. I wanted to know John King, what you thought about Northern Iowa being in that mix because they were ranked in preseason polls very highly above Weber state. In fact, uh, folks are riding high on you and I, are they in the mix? So I do think that they will also be in the mix this year. And that was a game, you know, when the original schedule came out that I think everybody kind of bookmarked just because it was going to be a great early season test. Um, but you know, the other three teams have had a lot more success in recent times, you know, in the playoffs than Northern Iowa has. So, you know, I kind of give the edge to, you know, I, I, I would say that of those four teams, I would I would say Northern Iowa was probably that fourth team. Mm. Fair take. And uh, they did have a lot of injuries last year that um, really hampered their season. And so I guess we'll see when the season starts how things shake out in the Missouri Valley Football Conference. So uh, we got word this week that Gary Anderson is out at Utah State and the speculation ran wild on social media that the next head coach at Utah State would likely be Weber State's own Jay Hill. And so I want to ask our panel odds that Jay Hill leaves Weber State to become the next head coach at Utah State. Why don't you start us off this time, Chappie? Oh, man, where do I go here? <laughs> there's there's so many places to take this. I'm, I'm a little bit of a conspiracy theorist in a way. You know, it, it seems very strange that they would that the head coach would quit literally the day after um, Weber State wraps fall camp up. Okay. Uh, it, it seems like they wouldn't. It seems strange that they wouldn't let the coach finish out. I, I, I want Jay Hill to stay here. I, I believe he stays here, but Utah State's it's, it's good timing. The man who hired Jay Hill at Weber State is the AD in waiting up at Utah State. To me, the only if there if there's a if there's a if there's a way that, that maybe it doesn't happen, it's that maybe Jay Hill thinks that eventually he ends up at Utah and short-term money gain, doubling or tripling his salary now, maybe doesn't matter as much if in five, six, seven years you're taking it up many, many more times. All right. So to me, I, I say it's like a 75% shot. That, that he leaves and ends up at Utah state. And I know a lot of people are going to absolutely pummel me for that and hate it, but I don't know. It just seems like there's too many things in place for it to not potentially happen. So Chappie says a 75% chance that Jay Hill is the next 
head coach at the at Utah State. Um, another thing to note in that same mix is that this w- last week, Kyle Whittingham, the head coach at Utah, signed a four-year extension. So he will be head coach at Utah for a long time to come. Uh, AC, what do you think? The odds that Jay Hill leaves Weber State to become the next head coach at Utah State. Jay Hill to Utah State. Let's talk Jay Hill to Utah State, shall we? I think that I'm going to go – I'm going to play optimist here. I think Chappie makes some very valid points that any Weber State fan is probably thinking about, right? I mean, it seems obvious. Like, why wouldn't he go to Utah State? But I'm going to say this. Jay Hill and Sarah Hill, his wife, are both on record saying they're only leaving here for something special. And this is in no way meant to be a shot at Utah State, at Logan, nothing. Um, but is is Utah State special? I think we might have seen that program ceiling with Gary Anderson already. And that ceiling is going to be a single 10-win season every four or five years. And guess where that 10-win season gets you? Second place in your division, you're going to be playing in the potato bowl. Does that sound special to you guys? To me, it doesn't sound special. And Jay Hill also, in addition to not thinking that Logan, Utah State is a special program, I think that Jay Hill deserves better. And I think that he knows he deserves better. And so I think if he waits this thing out, I think that he could get a better job by staying at Weber State. Because, I mean, I don't think Jay Hill's staying at Weber State forever. I don't. I think it's a shame he's going to be a statue here. He deserves a statue here. But I don't think he's going to stay at Weber State forever. That's just not how FCS works. And so I think if he stays here, he puts us in national contention this year. And next year, and who knows after that? We're to the point where we're reloading. We're not rebuilding. No, no, no. We're past that. We're reloading now at Weber State. He's going to make us a national contender. We already are a national contender. And I think he's going to, he's made us something special. He's going to make us more special. And then he's going to leave for something that's more special than Logan. My percentage on Jay Hill leaving, I'm putting it at 35%. Woo, 35%. AC dropping some serious facts and reasoning here in. The odds maker game. Uh, man, I, I like those takes, AC. I like it a lot. All right. I'm only here for the good takes, bro. <laughs> well, that was a good one. I liked it. Uh, John King, uh, cl- close out this one. Odds that Jay Hill is the next head coach up in Logan. So I'm going to go more on the side of the spectrum of AC on this one, just because, you know, I, I, I don't mean any disrespect, but I, I just think that at the end of the day, like, I, I think Jay Hill can do better than Utah State. Um, and I don't, I don't want to, you know, I have, I have some good friends that, you know, are at Utah state right now. And I don't mean that in a disrespectful way, but, you know, I just think that, you know, Jay Hill is, I think he is a power five coach. Like I, I, I truly believe that. And, you know, obviously people were, you know, before Kyle Whittingham extended this contract, like that was the link that people were, you know, putting in their minds like, oh, well, Jay Hill was at Utah. Well, he could go be the successor at Utah. But I think, you know, I think he could be an anywhere on the West Coast guy. Like, I think that he could be, you know, coach anywhere in the Pac-12. I mean, you look at the, you know, the schools in Arizona, both Arizona and Arizona State. Like, you know, would would I would I leave a school that's going to compete, you know, at the top level of the FCS to go basically be a mid-level program in the Mountain West Conference, I think that that would be something I would have a hard time doing, especially, you know, 
if you can continue to have success at that F, that high FCS level, you know, that leads to a big job eventually, you know, a power five job, you know, with all the glitz and glamour, you know, everything that you could ever, um, everything that you could ever, ever ask for in a program. So, you know, I, I think it's about a 30% chance that he would leave, um, uh, uh, that he would leave Weber State for Utah State this year. So I, I'm actually, I'm a little more confident, I feel like, that, than Wildcat fans that, you know, that, that this isn't the one. Great points, guys, that uh, I think you're right. I think Jay Hill is very picky about what situation he will choose because he knows that if you pick the wrong horse, uh, you have built a winner here in Ogden. And if you take, try to take the jump to the FBS level and it doesn't go as well, it sours your chances of advancing to eventually getting a Power 5 job. You have to do the Chris Peterson thing and continue to win at the FBS level to be considered for that big job at a place like Washington or elsewhere. So I, I like I like the reasoning. It's uh, it's it's sound. And I think you're right. I think Jay Hill is a little bit more choosy than maybe some folks on social media have left uh, have, have have put it out there. So. We're going to give you all one last opportunity to make some odds. We'll try to keep this one brief. Odds that fans... Oh, sorry. Let me set this one up first. So we got word today that um, based on some of the situations here in Utah, that coronavirus numbers are climbing. Unfortunately, the governor, the governor has instituted a mask mandate across the state. Uh, hospitals are reaching capacity. is getting very, very scary in our state. Unfortunately, fans will not be allowed in the Purple Palace for... Uh, any of the games that have been scheduled for November and December. We will not, at least until December 31st, be allowed in the Purple Palace for games. So Pluto TV only for the fans that want to watch those games. So, but beyond that, we aren't sure. There's still, you know, some moving parts. And so the question to the panel is, what are the odds that fans will be allowed in the Purple Palace for conference play after January 1st? Flu doesn't peak till till about February we're not getting fans in there for a while. (laughs) It's, it's going to be, it's going to be a long winter along the Wasatch front. All right. How about you give us a number? Uh, I'm going to say like 90% sure on that. So 90% sure that fans will not be allowed. So, so the the question is odds that fans will be allowed in the purple palace for conference play after January 1st. Yes. We'll flip that 10%, 10%, 10% chance that, that, fans will be allowed okay ac what are your thoughts chappy's over here paying his tithing i'm a little bit more optimistic than than chappy is with this with the 10 percent. but i'm gonna say i'm gonna try to make this sound as apolitical as possible because this is a sports podcast but i think that the state of utah in general has been pushing the limits with coronavirus for a while and i think that i i think that we might continue to do that uh, I think that the state as a whole wants to see things return. And I think the Weber state's kind of the same. Tim Crompton had a podcast with uh, with Paul Grua and Steve Klauke, uh just recently. And from the way that he made it sound, they're really, really, the university is really, really trying to make it so that fans can get in on January 1st. And so I, I think that with the way that the state of Utah has handled things, I think that with how Weber State's a little bit strapped for cash. I think that they're going to make a really concentrated effort to make it so we can, so that this can happen, so that fans can get in. I'm going to say 65 percent 
chance that fans are in the D event center this season. All right. 65% chance that fans will be allowed for conference play after January 1st. Uh, bring us home. John King, what do you think the odds are that fans will be allowed in the Purple Palace for conference play? So in this particular question, I'm I'm pretty pessimistic. And I think the reason behind that is, is that, you know, all these basketball games are going to be played indoors. And if you listen to what any medical professional has said on TVs, um, TV, uh, TV over the past, you know, six months, being indoors, you know, where it's not open air is, is bad. And so, you know, whether it was, you know, the NBA and their bubble or the NHL and their bubble, like we just really haven't seen a lot of indoor sporting events where there have been fans in the stands at those games. So like, because of that, and until we see that again, I'm going to be very pessimistic. So I'm going to join Chappie um, at, I think there's like a 10% chance that there's going to be fans in the stands just because we haven't, I mean, we haven't really seen an indoor sporting event in seven months. So, you know, the odds that that's going to happen, you know, in the next four or five, like, I, I just don't, I just don't believe so. I think that the best indicator of what college basketball schools, you know, do all across the country is going to come from the NBA when they launch their, you know, plan to return to play plan. Um, uh, because I think that if the Jazz are able to have fans, I think you'll see there's a possibility that Weber State has it. But I think that's I think the NBA are going to kind of be the leaders and that's going to kind of tr- that's going to trickle down to the college game as to what fan presence looks like in you know this next this upcoming season john king closing us out on a little bit of a somber note but probably the truth that unfortunately we haven't seen an indoor sporting event in the united states one if it does happen it probably will not be safe and so the odds that it happens are probably pretty low which makes me sad, but Pluto TV exists. And so if you do want to watch these games and fans are not allowed, make sure that you download the Pluto TV app on your smart TV, on your phone, whatever, and you will have an opportunity to participate in the game that way so you won't be at a total loss. All right, folks, we're going to wrap up the show with some upcoming events. There will be Big Sky Basketball Media Days this week. Uh, This will be on Thursday, November 12th. You'll have the opportunity to hear basketball programs, both men and women's basketball uh, speak. Um, There'll be a player and a coach, kind of like what we did last week with our women's sports spectacular. You'll have a chance to hear from coaches and players from across the Big Sky Conference on Pluto TV. Uh, That'll be starting at 10 a.m. and it'll run to about 2 p.m. We've read that Weber State will be on at 1020 a.m. So if you're interested in catching that live, November 12th. All right, folks, uh, we're going to wrap up the show now by letting you know that if you want to contact us, feel free. We can email us at weberstateweekly at gmail.com. If you have show suggestions, that's the place to do it. Uh, We got an email from Jeff Millard a few weeks ago. We've been working on that. Uh, An idea talking about the history of the D Event Center and what it might bring for the future. So uh, ideas like that help us to come up with content that we can hopefully um, implement in the future. So we appreciate those emails and hope that you'll continue to send them. You can also, like we said at the top of the show, find us on social media. We're on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Twitter, of course, like we said in the past, is a great place to interact with the Weber State Weekly team. Very active there. But our, our panel has also begun to take the reins and uh, been more active on Facebook and Instagram, so find us there. And in addition, we have a website, WeberStateWeekly.com. There's an opportunity for you to go and check out recent blog posts by AC on recruiting that the Wildcat football team has been doing, um, who's on their radar, and chatting with some of those students uh, and finding out where they're leaning and what, they're, what strengths they might bring to uh, Weber State. Um, 
there should be at least one other. I, I worked on one myself last week and so should have it published the, this coming week. Uh, be watching for that. So got some big names coming up. AC's got some stuff in the pipeline and uh, I'll tell you folks, he uh, really, he really has a nose for this thing. He's really, really talented. After having done one of these interviews myself, I can tell you that AC is simply masterful at the kind of information that he gets from recruits. It's just, it's just phenomenal. So uh, hats off to him and uh, a lot of respect for the work that he does over there. So please go check it out on our blog and uh, consume the, the, the great co- content that he produces for Wildcat fans. With that, we're going to wrap up the show like we do every week and say Weber State, Weber State. Great. 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 Go Wildcats. <laughs>